Africa rise and shine Africa zola Africa amka na unai It is 7 a.m. Central African time you are listening to Channel Africa uh, we're broadcasting from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg here in South Africa Coming up on the show this hour, Zimbabwe begins COVID-19 vaccination with Chinese jabs. South Africa's ruling ANC Secretary General to appear in court today. In, in economics, Nigeria's economy exits a recession in the fourth quarter. And in sports, Sabian coach Kostadin Papic unveiled as new Black Leopards technical manager. All these stories are coming up on the show, but first the news with N. Musa. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good morning, I'm Anne Musa. The Somali government says militiamen have attacked army positions in the capital Mogadishu close to the presidential palace. In a short statement, the security minister says the attack had been repelled. Residents reported hearing the sound of heavy gunfire. It came hours before Somali opposition parties planned to hold a protest against President Mohamed Abdullahi Fumaju remaining in office. His term expired last week. President Fumaju is expected to hold a meeting with Somalia's five regional presidents as part of efforts to end the deadlock. Africa's COVID-19 death toll has surpassed 100,000. This is a fraction of those reported on other continents, but rising fast as a second wave of infections overwhelms hospitals. The continent has 100,354, comparing favorably with North America, which has registered more than a half a million, and Europe, which is approaching 900,000. Deaths across Africa are being driven by its southern region, especially South Africa. Africa, which accounts for nearly half at 48,708. Zimbabwe has begun to roll out its COVID-19 vaccination program. The Vice President and Health Minister Constantino Chiwenga received the first jab of the Sinopharm vaccine from China. On Monday, 200,000 vaccines arrived in Harare, a donation from the Chinese government. The first phase of vaccination drive is on a voluntary basis and targeted frontline workers, including healthcare staff, immigration officials and funeral parlor workers. Zimbabwe has recorded over 35,000 coronavirus cases and more than 1,400 COVID-19 related deaths. Chinguenga says the vaccine is effective. My ministry conducted all scientific processes to ascertain the efficacy of Sinopharm vaccine, which was confirmed to be 79%. My presence here today with some ministry ministry of health officials, including my deputy, is to exhibit the government's confidence in the Sinopharm vaccine. I have received my COVID-19 vaccine jab together with my deputy minister and my staff. Therefore, I urge all Zimbabweans to be vaccinated at their nearest health centers. 
This week, Zimbabwe's government revealed that its genome sequencing research showed that 60% of all the country's COVID-19 cases were of the variant first found in South Africa. COVID-19 Task Force National Coordinator Agnes Mahova says they are confident in the protection that the Sinopharm vaccine can offer. The few science analysis that has already come is actually indicating that kind of virus, is, uh, sorry, vaccine, perhaps actually better to handle with some of these variants. Remember, though, there's not a single vaccine that is going to take care of all the variants. So we, and this is one of the reasons why we are moving as fast as we can, get our population covered. As they begin to mutate and so on, we should be okay. But there will always be issues. There's no two ways about it. And finally, the UN Food Agency, WFP, says alarming new figures show that more than more Syrians than ever are going hungry. More than 12 million people, 60% of the population, lack access to sufficient food. The agency says after 10 years of war, families are struggling to survive. The BBC's Alan Johnston has more. The report talks about families who've been drained of their savings, their financial resources, being left behind by crazy rocketing prices. Take the sort of stuff you might need to feed a family for a month, rice, bread, sugar, that sort of thing costs more now than the average family earns in a month. And so parents are taking desperate measures to survive. The report talks of them selling assets, selling livestock and the like, which will create other economic problems further down the track. That's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African time. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One, and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. This is Africa Rise and Shine on Channel Africa. From an African perspective, I am Kumbero Munjerere. Good morning. Now, the state has warned that it is likely to add more charges against South Africa's ruling ANC Secretary General, Ace Mahashule. He is among eight people and five companies that face multiple charges of fraud, corruption, and money laundering relating to the multi-million rand Free State Province asbestos roofing audit contract. Mahala Masiteng reports. Ace Mahashule faces 21 charges of fraud and corruption, alternatively theft and money laundering. The state alleges that between June 2015 and January 2016, Mahashule either received or benefited from unlawful payments of more than 1 million rent from the late Diamond Hill Trading Director Piccolo Mzimbambani. Mbambani was shot dead in Sentin in July 2017 in a suspected heat. The 255 million rent contract to remove asbestos from low-cost houses in the Free State was awarded to joint venture Blackhead Consulting and Diamond Hill Trading in October 2014 as an unsolicited bid. In July 2015, the Auditor General declared the contract irregular Despite Auditor General's findings, the Free State Human Settlements Department allegedly made further payments amounting to 139 million rent to the safest provider. 
NPA spokesperson Sipongwe Ma says they are ready to take the matter to the High Court. We did indicate that uh, there will be some uh, changes on the indictment. We had indicated that we wanted to add more charges uh, with regards to the last accused, which is Mr. Mahashule, but also wanted to add more accused persons on, on the indictment. So this is what is likely to happen uh, when the matter resumes. And further, we are ready uh, to proceed to trial. So we think that we're going to move with speed to make sure that the matter goes to the High Court and uh, a trial takes place as soon as possible. Public protector Sisiwe Mkweba found that the contract was not cost-effective and that government did not get value for money. Mkweba also found that the advanced payment of 51 million rent to the joint venture was unlawful because the contract was irregular. Legal expert Machini Mutloun says what is left is for the case to be transferred to the High Court. What will happen in the High Court, there will be pre-trial conference that will be held. Uh, the aim is to uh, really try and curtail uh, issues and proceedings to ensure that you narrow issues and you uh, declare the matter trial ready. So the likelihood is tomorrow the matter will definitely be transferred to, to the High Court, particularly taking into account that the state has actually intimated that they have concluded the investigations in this matter. In July 2019, President Cyril Ramaphosa signed the proclamation which allowed the SIU to probe the asbestos contract. The state alleges that suspended Free State Human Settlement head Ntimuzi Mukhesi, former MEC Olimlamleli and Ace Mahashule had financial interest in the awarding of the contract. Mahashule is accused of abusing his position of authority. Professor Situlejo Matebezi. It seems as if the pro Mahashule camp and even people like uh, uh, Julius Malema wants to use some of, in their minds, the weaknesses in our um, uh, courts and, and, and uh, uh, judges to use that to try and enhance their own political um, uh, power or situation within their respective parties. The accused are out on bail ranging between 50,000 and 500,000 rent. They will be back in the Bloemfontein Magistrate Courts on Friday. I'm sitting in Bloemfontein. Now, former treasurer of South Africa's ruling ANC in the Free State Province, Mtolisi Dukwana, says ANC Secretary General Ace Mahashule should lead by example and vacate his position of power. Mahashule and seven others will be back in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court today together with five, five companies. They face several charges of fraud, corruption and money laundering relating to the alleged irregular awarding of more than $250 million and Free State Asbestos Roofing Audit Contract. Mahalamasiteng reports. Tensions are simmering between warring Free State ANC factions ahead of the asbestos corruption case. Former Free State ANC treasurer and long-serving MEC Mkulisi Dukwana had some harsh words for his one-time ally Ace Mahashule. In our observation, this case is important to open the lead over the strong allegations of rampant corruption that plagued our province 
since 2009 when uh, Mr. Elias Mahashule assumed the premiership of the province. This appearance is in our view important to uphold the legal principle of Audi Autorem Patel. After years of allegations of fraud and corruption, we must hear the other side of the story. Former MEC in the Free State Government, Sukhubi Malebo, has called for tough action to be taken against members of the Radical Economic Transformation Forces. We call on our people in general that tomorrow we ourselves who are supposed to be appearing there in support of our justice system, in support of the law enforcement officers that have been that have brought Mahashul and company to court. We will not do so for one reason only, out of respect for the COVID-19 rules. We will not do so tomorrow. We will not appear in front of that court in support and in obedience of the president's call of avoiding crowds. Members of Mahashule's supporters are drumming up the support. Members of the Radical Economic Transformation Forces claim that charges against him are politically motivated. The group's Malifumufu gang has accused judges of having underhand tactics. Comrade Ace, charges have nothing to do with law per se, but are politically motivated charges. The independence of judiciary is compromised. Some legal practitioners are no longer committed to the role of law, but now use the role of law to advance narrow political interests of those who are anti-economic transformation. Kosa's national convener, Katle Homangwijani, agrees. When, when, when Comrade Ismahashule was still the premier of the Free State, he did a lot of development in schools. He prioritized education amongst other things. So that's why we feel the need to, to defend him because an attack on uh, Comrade Isma Rashul is an attack on education because he has always been prioritizing education. Mahashule's supporters are expected to gather outside court on Friday. I'm Maharama sitting in Bloemfontein. Now, Premier of South Africa's Eastern Cape Province, Oscar Mabuyane, has fired controversial health MEC Cindy Swagomba, Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs MEC Toli Lekata will act in Gomba's position until a replacement is named. Gomba is facing fraud and corruption charges related to the funeral of Nelson Mandela in 2013. The former Superintendent General of the Health Department, Dr. Toby Lembengashe, will also face disciplinary action in line with the findings of the Special Investigating Unit related to the procurement of the ambulance motorbikes last year. Mawiyane says he will have an opportunity to present his case. Yanga Funani reports. Premier Mabuyane has been under pressure to fire Gomba since early last year. The reinstatement of her fraud and corruption charges and the SIU report linking her to wrongdoing sealed her fate. This comes as the sixth provincial administration acts on its commitment of not tolerating impunity. Mabuyane had this to say. In light of the charges she is facing after the NPA re-enrolled the charges, I have taken a decision to relieve Ms. Zindiswa Gomba of her duties as the member of the Executive Council for the Department of Health. The decision to relieve Ms. Gomba of her duties as the member of the Executive Council will allow her time and space to attend to the case against her. 
This decision is in the best interest of the MEC and the provincial government. The Makanda-based government watchdog, the Public Service Accountability Monitor, has welcomed the decision to relieve Sinizwa Gomba of her duties. PSAM Director Jay Cruz says the decision was overdue. We now look forward to the appointment of an MEC that can focus his or her attention on the vaccine rollout and improving the delivery of services to residents of the province. Political analyst Dr. Ngosikulule Nyembezi has applauded the move. It is a welcome move, a demonstration of political will to deal with corruption because all South Africans should know that the possibility of detection, apprehension and conviction is what should keep them away from acts of corruption. We can only hope that this is not the last we see and that all South Africans will support this bold move by the Premier as we try to root out corruption in our system. Various political parties have also welcomed the move. Meanwhile, the ANC in the province has written to leaders implicated in the Nelson Mandela funeral scandal to step aside. This included the Dr. W.P. Khubusana Chairman Pumlani Mkolo, Amyanga Funani in Pisho. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect. An explorative one-on-one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Fridays, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central African Time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African Perspective. This is Africa Rise and Shine here on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Good morning. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has emphasized how the country will rise from the effects of the coronavirus pandemic during his reply to the debate on the State of Nation Address although he conceded that they have been mis- mistakes which include problems with the efficacy of the AstraZeneca vaccine regarding the new variant of the coronavirus. He says the country has started rolling out Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Lula Mamacha reports. Ramaphosa says many people doubted government's ability to administer the vaccine, but government has shown that it is capable And we've been hearing doomsday stories that there's going to be chaos and collapse and everything else. Pause for a moment, South Africans, and look at our capabilities. Now, these capabilities did not come by chance. They've been developed over many years. Yes, there have been mistakes. We've stumbled. We've risen up. But the important thing is to realize that we've been trying. We've been the people in the arena 
fighting and working and making sure that we improve the lives of South Africans. The president commended healthcare workers and other frontline staff, scientists, as well as researchers for their work during the state of the national disaster period. He says the COVID-19 pandemic has revealed the depth and diversity of expertise that the country has and that government's aim is to develop its own coronavirus vaccine. I've asked the Minister of Higher Education and Innovation to put together a team of scientists to begin the process of developing our own vaccines so that we can deal with this, this pandemic and future ones. We now live in an era where pandemics may become more frequent in our lives and we must therefore be resilient in relation to diagnostics, therapeutics, as well as vaccines. He has praised the 2020 metric class for their determination against all odds. This as the country is awaiting the release of metric results next week. Metrics had to contend with coronavirus restrictions and reduced classes last year as they prepared for their exams. But our young, our young people are also resilient. And just under a week's time, the metric results for 2020 will be released. This is a most remarkable group of learners who were determined to learn and to study under the most difficult conditions. They must be commended for their perseverance and for their steadfast commitment to achieving their ambitions. He appealed to all political parties that they must work together to defeat, among other things, the coronavirus, high levels of unemployment and inequality. That we will strive together to end violence against women and children in our country. That we will never surrender to state capture, to corruption, to mismanagement and complacency or despair. That we will never be discouraged or despair as South Africans because that is not part of our DNA. We are a resilient people. We are a strong nation. And we must rely on our strengths to get rid of our weaknesses. He says sectors like agriculture and tourism will play an important role in stimulating economic growth. Lulama. It is 23 minutes after 7 Central African time. You are listening to Channel Africa. I am Kumbaram Jalere. Good morning. The wait for the metric class of 2020 in South Africa is finally over. 
The 2020 National Senior Certificate examination results will be released at the different schools this coming Tuesday. Experts say the 2020 academic year will go down as one of the most difficult ones since the dawn of democracy in South Africa due to the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown, which had an unprecedented impact on the academic year, as well as the conduct administration and management of the metric exams. However, some private schools have already received their results. One such school is St. David's Marist Inanda, situated in Centen, north of Johannesburg, which achieved a 100% pass rate with a 97% bachelor degree pass. Luke Lawson is one of the top achievers with eight distinctions, and he joins us on the line to talk about this feather. Uh, good morning, Luke, and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, eight distinctions. This is amazing. Uh, how do you feel about your achievements, uh, Luke? Uh, I'm, over- I'm overwhelmingly proud. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, to be honest, but very pleasantly surprised. And I'm, more importantly, I'm overwhelmingly proud of every single matric pupil who managed to uh, maintain and continue to strive for their academic goals despite the most difficult of circumstances this year. Sure. Now, 2020 has been one of the you know most challenging years since the dawn of democracy. How did you you know do it, and what kept you motivated? Um, at, at the beginning of the lockdown, it was very very difficult to motivate myself because I I realized that the matric year that I've wanted for so many years would never come to pass. And that was a difficult thing to grieve. So I had to spend about a week coming to terms with that and realizing that the matric year that I have will not be what I wanted it to be. But I can only play with the cards I'm dealt. And just in terms of, uh, you know, looking ahead, Luke, uh, because the results now are out, what are your future plans? Well, I think St. David Maristananda has given me a really good base to follow tertiary, institu- uh, tertiary education. And I'd like to study a Bachelor's of Computer Science at Tux starting this year. Fantastic. And, and what kind of message do you have for the matriculants uh, this year? Uh, should they find themselves in a prolonged lockdown uh, and uh, if they are not able to be physically present in class? What kind of message would you like uh, to give them? I think the best piece of advice that I could give would be to try and balance your work life and your, your downtime, your chill time. Because working online can be immensely stressful. If you're sitting at your desk the whole day, you feel obligated to work the whole day, which is not good for the human body and the human brain. So I think the best piece of advice that I could give is to give yourself time to relax, even if you have to take a day off or a couple hours off or just take a nap. I think the amount of good that it will do for your mental health will greatly improve your academic results. And how do your parents feel about your achievements, Luke? (laughs) Uh, They are overwhelmingly proud, and I'm proud to have made them proud. All right, fantastic. And uh, congratulations and all the best with your future studies, eh? Thank you very much.
All right, that's a Luke Lotion, one of the top achievers for the metric class of 2020. He is from St. David's Marist Inanda, situated in St. Johannesburg. In each and every one of us, there, there is a purpose and grave. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that purpose. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to, to live, live your life, life by, by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of Monday, Monday motivation, motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by Design, be the architect of your life. Only on Channel Africa, the African, the African perspective. Now, Zimbabwe has begun the rollout of its COVID-19 vaccination program. Yesterday, Vice President and Health Minister Constantino Chiwenga received the first jab of the Sinopharm vaccine from China. On Monday, 200,000 vaccines arrived in Harare, a donation from the Chinese government. The first phase of a vaccination drive is on a voluntary basis and targeted at frontline workers, including healthcare staff, immigration officials and funeral parlor workers. Noma Bolani has more. A second line of defense. Vaccinations will complement the already strict COVID-19 regulations in Zimbabwe, which include a partial hard lockdown and the wearing of masks in public. The aim is to achieve herd immunity by vaccinating at least 10 million citizens, almost 70% of the population. Vice President and Health Minister Dr. Constantino Chiwenga received the first jab. My ministry conducted all scientific processes to ascertain the efficacy of Sinopharm vaccine, which was confirmed to be 79%. My presence here today with some ministry ministry of health officials, including my deputy, is to exhibit the government's confidence in the Sinopharm vaccine. I have received my COVID-19 vaccine jab together with my deputy minister and my staff. Therefore, I urge all Zimbabweans to be vaccinated at their nearest health centers. This week, government revealed that from the genome sequencing research, 60% of all its COVID-19 cases were of the 501YV2 variant. However, they're confident in the protection offered by the Sinopharm vaccine. National coordinator of the COVID-19 task team, Dr. Agnes Mohova. The few science analysis that has already come is actually indicating that kind of virus, is, uh, sorry, vaccine, perhaps actually better to handle with some of these variants. Remember though, there's not a single vaccine that is going to take care of all the variants. So we, and this is one of the reasons why we are moving as fast as we can, get our population covered. As they begin to mutate and so on, we should be okay. But there will always be issues. There's no two ways about it. And as we Wilkins Hospital in Harare has been the main COVID-19 treatment facility. Heavily burdened by patients, many staff here welcome the relief vaccinations will provide to a crippled health sector. The head of hospital, Dr. Hilda Barra, says she hopes all workers will take advantage of the opportunity. We've been in the front line. We've had to deal with a whole range of um, 
COVID-19 diseases. And being a frontliner, I've also decided to take up the vaccine because um, my exposure is quite high. And also to lead as an example, I'm the leader of this institution and we need to demonstrate to the teams that we're working with that this is the way to go. Vaccination is the way to go. Frontline media workers have been included in the first phase of the inoculation campaign. Some journalists who met the qualifying criteria also received the vaccine on Thursday. Noma Polani in Johannesburg. It is 7.32, time for the headlines. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Aman Musa, good morning. In the headlines, the Somali government says militiamen have attacked army positions in the capital Mogadishu close to the presidential palace. Africa's COVID-19 death toll has surpassed 100,000. This is a fraction of those reported on other continents, but rising fast as a second wave of infections overwhelms hospitals. And millions of people in the U.S. state of Texas have been told to boil water amid severe winter weather that's brought chaos and disruption. Those are the stories making headlines. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. This is Africa Rise and Shine on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Good morning. South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province will steadily increase its vaccination sites as more vaccines become available. That is the update from the province health department as the COVID-19 single-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine rollout process kicked off in the province. The province has over 160,000 healthcare workers in both private and public facilities. Currently, there is just over 10,000 available doses at the Prince Mishieni Memorial and Inkosi Albert Lutuli Hospitals in Durban. Minoshni Pillay reports. 45-year-old Dr. Narika Mirage from Amanzam Toti, south of Durban, is just about to start her shift in the COVID-19 ward at the Prince Mshieni Memorial Hospital. But today she makes a critical pit stop at the vaccination center to be among the first to receive this precious injection. The single mother to three children, Mirage's eyes glisten over her double mask. She says the vaccine brings hope for the months of pain and trauma that healthcare workers have had to see their patients endure. Coming to hospital and seeing patients you know, gasping for air and running out of oxygen, uh, you know, it's been really traumatic. And then, you know, once patients get really sick and start requiring ventilation and stuff like that, very few of those patients actually come off the ventilator. So it's been really sad. We've lost so many colleagues. In here, we support each other. We've gotten really close as colleagues over this last year. There's nobody else can understand what we've been through and what we've seen. We've been really waiting for this day. The hospital has received 5,040 vaccines of the first batch of 80,000. A further 5,760 will be administered from the Inkosi Albert Lutuli Hospital. Provincial Health MEC Nomagogo Similane Zulu says the rollout plan will be modified as supply increases. Because of the number of, of vaccines that we are receiving, 
we have had to revise that particular plan. So if in the next 10 days we get another 10 to 15,000, we then identify uh, probably three other health facilities. We are likely going to do one facility in Umkungundlo with the other one in Ilembe, and if we get a third one, we'll then see which other district has the highest. The vaccine centre's potential for hope is palpable as nurses and doctors excitedly bumped elbows. These doctors, who are waiting to be vaccinated, reflect on how the pandemic has affected their lives at work and at home. It's not over, but it's a glimmer of hope. A lot more people have to be vaccinated for us to achieve herd immunity. It is the first step in the right direction, but we will continue taking every single precaution on a daily basis. I think it's probably been like one of the worst years of my life. You feel sad for the patients, you worry about getting COVID, you worry about passing it on to other family members. It's been difficult, but I think that we've also got really good support system in our hospital and all the doctors and nurses support each other. So in that way, we've sort of worked through it together. Kwazulu Natal registered South Africa's very first COVID-19 case on March 5th in Hilton last year. Dr. Halim Dawid was among the team who treated patient zero. He reminisces on how it all began. When the first patient was admitted, it was a time of fear and anxiety. Whilst we had plans in place, we had to activate our plans very rapidly. And thanks to the teamwork of the hospital, the volunteer staff who volunteered to come and take care of the patient, and to the patient himself, who was very accommodating, understood the unknowns and the challenges we had in taking care of him. So I'm sure it had a significant impact on him psychologically. Back at Prince Mshiani Memorial, Dr. Elizabeth Spooner heads up the team in charge of overseeing the vaccine administration process. She explains this is because the Johnson & Johnson vaccine remains a research vaccine. It's such a privilege to see all the healthcare workers so excited and wanting a vaccine. It's just wonderful that we can do something. We draw up the vaccine and then we hand it over to the vaccinators and make sure that they are following good clinical practice in the administration of the vaccine. Even while receiving this vaccine, several doctors and nurses teared as they remembered colleagues who'd lost their lives trying to save their patients. But they say while the battle against the virus continues, this start is a step in the right direction. I'm Minoshni Palay in Durban. Now, statistically, women live longer than men, yet the World Economic Forum has reported that women retire with 30 to 40 percent less money than men. Research has also revealed that job losses in the formal and informal sectors impacted single women-headed households. This global pattern is being termed she-session, where recessions affect women acutely. Not only are women working less, they also earn lower salaries to live on and grow their investments. Well, to discuss uh, how the gender pay gap is making it difficult for women to grow their wealth. We are joined on the line by Shira Dival, Chief Marketing Officer at Financial Institution Frank Group. Good morning, Shira, and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, so how is this gender gap playing out uh, in investments where the overwhelming majority of investments are? Excellent question. Uh, Frank is an investment app, and we have been built to dem- democratize investing. Sure. So it's this exact question that we're trying to understand better, 
and help to solve. What we have found is that women start investing later than men. This is the case globally, but here in South Africa, what we find specifically at the Frank app is that young men are studying and starting to invest. They're starting their first jobs and they're looking into investing. They're hustlers, they're excited, they want to get going in their careers. So they're starting to understand the value of money and putting money aside. Whereas what we find is that women wait a little bit longer, get themselves settled, and then only start investing a good five to ten years after the, their male counterparts. And that is one of the reasons that has led to this huge disparity that we are seeing. Now, do you think there is a greater understanding of the she-session pattern where recessions affect women acutely? Do you think people do understand this, this pattern? I think that there is an awareness. Women know that they are um, earning less than their male counterparts. There's been a lot in the media about this. But I think that there is not so much of an awareness as to why. Sure. And some of those reasons why are women have different priorities and um, different lifestyles um, than men do, right? Women have pink tax. So they're needing to pay for things like manicures and hairdos, which men don't have quite the same expenses of. Women are needing to pay towards their families and their priorities are slightly different. They leave uh, work to be able to deal with pregnancies and childcare. During COVID, it's meant that women have lost jobs more so than men in South Africa and they've needed to be at home to educate their children. We also find that women live longer than men. And so it's all these reasons that has led to women being underinvested compared to, uh, compared to men. A lack of education is also one of the most important factors. Globally, locally, the world has more financial conversations with men than they do with women. Sure. That's just how it's been in the past. That's a conversation we're looking to change. And so we really encourage all people, men or women, to make sure that they get informed. We are trying to help them to do this. So at Frank, what we do as an investment app is we allow men or women to come and invest in either cash or equity. We've kept it super simple. You can put any amount of money in that you want to. You can pull it out whenever you want to. But we've kept it so simple that anybody can do it. And we encourage people to start immediately. We um, allow you to um, like learn as you go. And we do that by we have got a weekly blog with simple, easy-to-read financial education to really empower people, uplift them, and help them to understand all finances better. Sure. We send this out weekly, and we're also building a learning center at the moment to help people to be able to become better investors within their lives. But why do you think governments and employers are not doing enough uh, uh, to address the gender disparity in the workplace? I think a lot is happening within the space. I think there's been a huge awareness of it. I think that women are standing up now and starting to be counted. Um, we, we've, we've seen it within our own business. We've seen it um, across the country where women are saying, no, this is my time. This is, um, I want to be, have a voice. I want to be heard. And so I definitely think there is a shift. And I think to help 
enable that shift, one of the things we need to do is for people to be educated, to be informed. If you don't know about financing, take it upon yourself. Empower yourself. Read, learn, watch a YouTube video. Do what you need to do to feel empowered. Because if it's worth spending money on, then it's worth understanding, right? And and so just really empowering ourselves. Have those conversations as women with not only our children, but also with our friends. Help us to individually and equally collectively take steps forward and we will slowly and surely start to see the changes which we know are really needed within our country. All right, and just quickly, uh, because we have run out of time, you talked about uh, the different priorities for men and women. Um, How would society benefit if women were able to save as much as men are able to? Very good question. So women make up over 51% of our South African population. So women not investing is a big problem for our whole country. So by women being able to invest sooner, they would benefit from compound interest. That is why men are able to retire with more money. Uh, And the stats are showing 30 to 40% more. It's because women aren't starting to invest soon enough. So my advice would be is don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next year. Don't wait till you completely understand everything. Start today. Start somewhere. Start simply. Download the Frank app. We'll teach you. We'll show you how to do it. But just start and take the first step. And that's the first step to taking our country, our women, our people forward and making a better place for all of us because it affects all of us in the end. Absolutely. All right, Shira. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Such a pleasure. Take care. All right, that's Shira Divala, Chief Marketing Officer at South Africa-based financial institution, Frank Group. It is 7.45, time for the latest economic news with Nosile Zuma. Thank you, Kumbera. Good morning. South Africa's Department of Environment, Forestry and Fisheries says preliminary determinations show the elevated levels of sulfur dioxide and hydrogen sulfide in the air are most likely to have emanated from the Sasol operations in Secunda and the KwaZulu-Natal province. The investigation has engaged all stakeholders, including the community around the Sasol Secunda operations. The sulfur stench could be detected by people as far away as the Gauteng province. Department spokesperson Albi Mudisa says once investigations are complete, a report will be handed to the minister with recommendations on safety measures. The investigators are busy with the investigation. They are working on a report. Indications are that the Sasol Secunda operation is believed to be the possible source of the sulfur stench. The visit was summarily to get to the bottom of the matter, to just get a sense of what exactly could have happened. Was it an accident? Was it deliberate? Was it negligence? Section 30 of the National Air Quality Act requests that the company that's responsible will have to furnish us with mitigation measures that they are going to put in place. And that means that based on what was found to be wrong, then that particular report would indicate how many days they have available to finish us with those mitigation measures. 
The director of the South African Medical Research Center for Health Economics and Decisions, Karen Hoffman, says if National Treasury doubled the exercise duty on sugary cool drinks from the current level of around 10% to the 20% that experts proposed when South Africa first raised the subject back in 2013, it could raise millions of dollars of additional revenue to help fund the fight against COVID-19, a level of around 20% advocated by the World Health Organization. Hoffman says although the sugar tax was only introduced two years ago, figures show that it is working and the huge job losses that industry predicted did not happen. Nigeria's economy unexpectedly came out of a recession in the fourth quarter as restrictions to curb the spread of the coronavirus were eased. Abuja-based National Bureau of Statistics says gross domestic product grew 0.11% in the three months through December from a year earlier, compared with a decline of 3.6% in the third quarter. The median estimate of five economists in a Bloomberg survey was for a quarterly decline of 1.86%. According to International National Monetary Fund data, the economy contracted 1.92% for the full year, the most since at least 1991. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison vowed on Friday to press ahead with laws to force Facebook Inc. to pay news outlets for content, saying he had received support from world leaders after the social media giant blacked out all media. Facebook stripped the pages of domestic and foreign news outlets for Australians and blocked users of its platform from sharing any news content on Thursday, saying it had been left with no choice ahead of the new content laws. The move, which also erased several state government and emergency department accounts, as well as nine charity sites, caused widespread outrage. Morrison, who blasted Facebook on its own platform for unfriending Australia, said the leaders of Britain, Canada, France and India had shown support. And finally, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has told Parliament that the economy has already begun a steady recovery from the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. The President was replying to the debate on his State of the Nation address. He strongly rejected criticism of government's handling of the coronavirus pandemic, saying the state's key goal has been to save lives and livelihoods. Ramaphosa says things are picking up. The economy is already showing signs of a strong recovery. Just yesterday, we received new results from the third wave of the NIDS-CRAM survey, which is a collaboration among several South African universities, which has been tracking the impact on households of the pandemic. This data shows that by October last year, Total employment had recovered to almost reach the level that we saw in February just before the pandemic. This recovery in employment is the result of both the phased reopening of the economy as well as relief measures that were implemented. For Channel Africa, I'm Nosikhe Zoma. Right, let's find out what is happening in the sporting world. Fikile Lingwati is standing by.
First up in our sports update, it's football news. South African Premiership side, Orlando Pirates coach Joseph Zinbawa has warned his team against complacency ahead of the second leg of the CAF Confederations Cup clash with the Juanin Galaxy of Botswana. Pirates made the perfect start to their playoff tie with Galaxy as they thrashed the Botswana outfit 3-0 in the away leg on Sunday last week. However, Zinbawa doesn't want his players to think they have already won the tie as they still need to put in a good performance in the second leg at Orlando Stadium south of Johannesburg this coming Sunday. First, um, it was important for us. We, we score away and uh, we have a clean sheet. It's always important in so tough games. Um, it's it's not an easy team, and yes, the results is good. But now we have another game. It's a game would start by zero. Former Orlando Pirates coach Gustas Papich has rejoined Limpopo outfit Black Leopards as technical director. Papich, who recently resigned from Accra Hearts of Coke in Ghana earlier this week, was unveiled in a press conference in Polokwane, South Africa's Limpopo province. The Sabian mentor coached Leopards four years ago. Leopards management says Papich will work with a technical team comprised of head coach Lishongonoro Siema, assistant coach Morgan Shibambu, and goalkeeper coach Sam Banda. Top seed Novak Djokovic overcame stern resistance from Alan. Aslan Karatsev to reach the Australian Open final and end the Russian qualifier's remarkable run on Thursday. Despite the world number 114th causing moments of tension, Djokovic had enough quality to win 6-3, 6-4 and 6-2. Djokovic, who is going for a record extending ninth title in Melbourne, will face either Daniil Medvedev or Stefanos Tsitsipas in Sunday's final. Their semi-final clash takes place on today. South African world acclaimed doubles player Raven Klassen and his partner Rolse advanced to the men's doubles finals of the Porsche Open on Thursday. The top-seeded South African pair won through to the finals of the ATP Challenger 80 event when they outplayed third seeds Teimuraz Gabashvili of Russia and Mark Verwood, Netherlands, 6-4, 4-6. 12-10. In the final on Saturday, Klassen and Rulefse will play the winner of the semi-final to be played today. Either unseeded pair of Julian Kadina, Belgium, and Zedne Kola of the Czech Republic, or unseeded South African wildcards Vasilios Karipi and Von Hunter. And finally, Golf News. The stage is set for the finals of the South African Amateur Championship with three mouth-watering 36-hole matches to look forward to. That will determine the country's champions of the year at Royal Johannesburg and Kensington East Course. In the women's event, top seed and recent South African women's stroke play winner Megan Stracher will face defending champion Caitlin McNabb. The 18-year-old from Swellendam edged McNabb by one shot in the stroke play tournament earlier in the week and progressed through two two tough matches to reach her first South Africa's amateur final. She says she's happy with the victory. I'm not sure. They probably they were both definitely very tough. The morning didn't hit the ball too great. Started getting better in the end. I was dormy two down and managed to win on the 19th. And the afternoon was definitely better. The putter warmed up a bit and the ball striking was good. Um, so I'm very happy with the win now. So she had a few bogeys but I just stick to fairway green and managed to, to bring back a few um, holes. On the, lo- on the 17th, I hit it down the middle, put a wedge to three metres and drained the putt for, for the win. That's the Sport News this hour.
Africa. And uh, that wraps up. Africa. So, Africa. Amuka na unai. Recapping our top stories this hour, Zimbabwe begins COVID-19 vaccination with Chinese jabs. South Africa's ruling ANC Secretary General to appear in court today. And in economics, Nigeria's economy exits recession in the fourth quarter. And that wraps up Africa Rise and Shine for today. From myself, Kumbara Mujalele, producer Pumuzara Magaza, technical producer Catherine Malika, and the rest of the team, thank you for listening. Taking us to the top of the hour is May Way with a song called Nana Nana. Have a fantastic weekend. Cheers.